Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Empire. Hello and welcome to my podcast. Do me a favor, subscribe to the John Conn Report. Wherever you get your podcast, you're watching on YouTube, hit that like button, hit that subscribe button. You can find us there as part of Empire Media. That's A-M-P-I-R-E. Always much appreciated when you tune in. And don't forget, you can read my work on ESPN.com. And for you club members, going to be trying to schedule another private gold members, another private Zoom session this week. But I want to get through the coaching hires first. So when we know that, they're going to send out a notification to you gold members about the private Zoom uh, session that was, I think, last time it was about 40, mem- 40 minutes. A few of you joined in and asked some good questions and had some good topics that were raised. So anyways, stay tuned for that. But I want to see when are the coaching hires finally made. And my sense would be very early in the week that they'll probably announce the full staff Monday or Tuesday. Hopefully by Wednesday, we see a press conference with you know Cliff Kingsbury, Joe Witt, and then maybe get to meet all the other assistant coaches. That's what I'm hoping. That's what I think could happen, but nothing certainly official yet. They're still trying to put together that coaching staff and still waiting on an offensive line coach. That's kind of a big deal. Then, And I don't know the names right now that they're looking at. I know that there's a guy with San Francisco, James Craig, who has been an assistant line coach there for the last two years with Chris Furster, who is a terrific line coach, as you remember him from when he was here. And Craig was with Denver for three years when Adam Peters was there as well. So I don't know if he's on the list or not, but like if they haven't named one yet, perhaps if they're waiting for someone from San Francisco, because they like, like I know that they like that style of offense and that, that run game and the pass protection mix, perhaps that's a guy. I don't know. I'm just, I'm putting his name out there because you're trying to figure out who might it be. And if they haven't named one yet, who might they be waiting for? Well, that's a guy that has ties to the 49ers and an offense they like and, and run game and, and, you know, et cetera, that they like. And Peters has connections to him. We'll see. Don't know, but we'll know that staff earlier and excuse me, hopefully within the next couple of days. I know a lot of people ask about Ryan Kerrigan. Everything I've heard has been very positive toward him staying is not official. So I don't know, but I would say it certainly looks good for him. But until it's done, 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 you'd never know. But I would say, like I said, looks good for him. Certainly not a done deal. And they lost Randy Jordan to Tennessee the other day as a, as a line, excuse me, as a running backs coach, upbeat, energetic, always coming up with different drills. And there are times in games where the running backs would would spin out of a play or maybe do something on the ground and you get up and you keep your balance. And they would tell him that that's that drill. That's that drill we just did. So like, I always enjoyed watching him and he was here for 10 years, hard to stay over a couple regimes. So the fact that he did so says a lot about him, but now he's moving on to Tennessee. He's in a good spot. And Washington, of course, is going in different, went in a different direction. Now, the other thing about that staff that I like what they're doing is 
One of the things that Dan Quinn emphasized in his interviews, my understanding is the plan of succession on offense. That is a big deal. Now, it should be a basic thing for any defensive-minded head coach. But until you've been in that spot, and this is one of the benefits of having been a head coach for Quinn. He now knows the importance of that succession plan. Again, it may seem obvious, but it isn't to everybody. And I'd say, trust me on that, just based on what you hear from what things that come out of those interviews or, or those sessions, that Quinn was, was, was really good with that because he learned. He learned in, in San Francisco after Kyle Shanahan left, what happened? Like he had guys in that staff. He had Mike McDaniel. He had Matt Lafleur. Uh, so other guys in offense that were really good. He passed over Lafleur and just let that staff go with Kyle. There was no succession plan, and the offense was kind of you know hit some road bumps because of it. But again, like you look at their stats, the offense was not necessarily the number one thing holding them back. Except that you look at the talent and say it should have been better. Matt Ryan, Julio Jones, all those guys should have been better. So that didn't help. That's one of the things that he learned that he emphasized during these interviews. And so you go out and you see Cliff Kingsbury, okay, head coaching experience has, you know, has a unique, a somewhat unique offense. And But then you get Brian Johnson, who is a respected guy out of Philly now. I know Philly fans are going to say, oh, that you can have him because as a coordinator, this and that. Well, my understanding, you talk to people up there, I talked to somebody up there, a couple of people up there, and they really, like one said they kind of thought like it was more about what Sirianni wanted to run more than Brian Johnson. Who knows? And then someone else was like, they really, really liked him and had a lot of respect for him and felt like it wasn't, you know, that he was getting a lot of undue blame, whatever. He's not coming here for that role. I think Sam and Sam Fortier and I talked about this on Friday, not coming here for that role. But what I like is there is a succession plan. If something goes, if, if this offense hits and Kingsbury, let's say in two years, like, oh my gosh, look at the work he did with Jaden Daniels or Drake May or whomever. Um, look at the work he did there in a couple of years. Like, you know what? Take another shot at this guy. Well, now you have Brian Johnson ready to elevate. And if not him, you got Tavita Pritchard back as the quarterback's coach who has, I think he fits that Dan Quinn style, which is like an upbeat, energetic. And I think that's important. But I think when you look at the succession plan, say, so, okay, if something happens a couple years of Kingsbury, you got Brian Johnson. And if something happens with Brian Johnson a couple years or whatever, you got Tavita Pritchard. Or maybe, you know, maybe one of them leaves, but the other one's here. So you've got a couple guys in your in your system that can elevate to that role. And I remember talking to Marty Schottenheimer about this way back in the day, about how he always liked to have that kind of a succession plan. So he had, I haven't always seen that here, even on, you know, on, on other, you know, certainly the last uh, Rivera staff, you didn't see that. You really didn't. And I think Pritchard, they felt like could be that guy down the road, but you weren't going to do that after one year. If, if anything had gone really well to be enemy in a year or two leaves, I don't know that Pritchard would have been ready quite yet, but that, but they felt like he was a guy that could eventually ascend there. Really, there weren't a lot of other guys that I think you would have said that about, on, especially, and it's certainly not on defense. So, you know, I think that's a good setup for them. Whether it works, we'll see what kind of quarterback you get. But all those guys have experience working with quarterbacks. And I think that's also another important point. And um, speaking of quarterbacks, let's go there because there are a couple of things that are, you know, when you get to these, the big games, the Sunday shows and all that, they're always going to bring up, you know, you have something 
with other teams, they want to find those tidbits. So they, with the commanders, like, hey, expected to look into quarterbacks or expected to look into the top pick. Well, of course, one thing we learned about Josh Harris during this during this process, one thing I've known learned about him through reporting about him or talking to people about him is the thoroughness in his approach. And I think we saw it during the, again, we saw it during this coach search. I brought that up on a, one of the shows last week, but let's apply this to the quarterback situation as well. Because I don't, I think when you look at, like they didn't go into this coaching search with, they went into it with an open mind. And I think they're going to go into the quarterback situation, quarterback evaluation with the same sort of process, right? You go in there with an open mind because you can't go in there like, oh, I just love Jaden Daniels and that's it. And then you what then what? Well, what if what if you start watching Drake May, list, learn more about him? Maybe you like him better. Maybe it's like, oh, you know what, Caleb Williams is the truth, and you got to give up whatever to go up there, get there. So, but you have to keep an open mind during the process because what if there's somebody else you like better who you could trade back for and get? You know, whether it's a, a Bo Nix or a McCarthy or or Penix. Now, I don't know that that would be the case. I'm just saying you keep an open mind. I think that's what this group does well. Because you go back to like during this during the next couple of months, just be careful about what you process and what you hear. Because there's going to be a lot of rumors floating around about this team because there always are. And and as we've seen throughout the coaching search, they're not always accurate. You know, Ben Johnson was never some sort of a lock. You know, Ben Johnson was not this leader throughout the process. And there was now was he a high target? Yes, but so was Dan Quinn. So the, there was so much, there was a lot of misinformation or or not fully informed uh, uh, commentaries or thoughts or whatever. And that goes throughout this industry, right? So just be careful with that and process it for what it is. And, you know, they're going to, they're going to, they're going to, you know, they're going to certainly look at every one of these quarterbacks. So you're going to hear different things about all these guys. And you have people who are going to spread it, whether agents and all that, they're designed to help you know, build up their client. And so always keep that in mind during this situation. But so when you, again, when you look at the code search and how this applies to that, they're going to explore everything. That's what they do. Like they, they weren't going to fly up to Detroit and offer Ben Johnson the job. Why? Because they wanted to go through the process and they weren't going there because like, oh, he's our guy. They wanted to go meet with him to see if he was their guy. And and I bring him up because it's always the the one that comes up. But you know they liked a bunch of they liked Raheem Morris, but Raheem Morris was offered the Atlanta job before. But they weren't going to sit there and say, "Oh my gosh, we got to go now, just get in this bidding war with him or whatever." They're like, "Well, great, but we're going to go through this process because they want to be very thorough." What if you what if you say like, "Oh, we just got to get Raheem," and then you realize, you know, if we had gone through the process, maybe Coach X would have been the guy. So how does this apply to the quarterbacks? Well, again, I would expect them to explore looking up to see what does it cost to get the number one pick? Doesn't mean they're going to do it, but you have to explore it. You owe it to yourself to get all the information possible. One thing, again, that I know about Josh Harris, he wants information. So if you say, hey, we're just, if you go to him and say, you know what, Josh, we're going to stay put. Well, what would it cost to go up to get number one? Well, we didn't really want to do that. We wanted to explore it. Well, he's then you're he's like, well, go f- find out what it takes because what if it's just, you know, one or two picks. What if it's just this? But then if you go back, well, they want X, Y, Z and plus A, B, C. All right, well, that's too rich. Now what's the other one? Well, you could always stay put. Well, who's the guy? Is it Drake May? Is it Jaden Daniels? What do you want to do there? 
Why, 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 why Drake, why Jaden, right? So get the information. Okay, what if you don't like those guys enough? What if it, what if you traded back? Then what would you get? Well, here's the scenario there. Expect them to explore every one of those situations because if you don't do that, you're not doing your job. You need to know for sure what it is you're getting and what it is that you want to do. And that's how you solidify your intentions. And that's the way that Harris has always operated with his other teams. Very thorough. He's an information gatherer. That's what he does. And sometimes that can lead to a, you know, again, as we saw in the search, it can lead to a, I wouldn't say a more, a more deliberate process. I don't want to say slow because they're kind of hamstrung by the whole, by some of the requirements of the NFL and who they wanted to interview, but it certainly can, can cause you to be very deliberate. And I think that's what they like to do, but again, open-minded. And I think, um, you know, I think that's one thing that that it's going to be um, what you're going to see throughout this process. So I think you're going to hear a lot about Jane Downs. You're going to hear a lot about Drake May. We know about Kingsbury's connections. We know that certainly he would have a say in who the quarterback is, but he's not going to be the guy drafting him. And now he can sit there and say, well, this is the guy I like. Why? Well, X, Y, and Z. But if what if Adam Peters and Dan Quinn say, yeah, but we like this? You know, so I don't know how that's going to go, but I don't think you're going to say like, okay, well, Cliff, this is your call. It's too big of a pick for an organization to leave it up to your offensive coordinator, even though he would have, a, certainly he should have a say in it because he's the guy working it. It's his offense. He should know what's going what it's going to look like. But if you're an organization, you say, you've got to still do the, what's best for your organization long-term. So if you think, well, yeah, this guy could be good in this, but this guy long-term is going to be the better quarterback. Then maybe that's a, maybe there's a different direction you go. Um, but again, he'll have a say. Point is, you're going to explore all sorts of situations, and I would expect them to assess everybody. Listen, you got to assess. They have to sit there and assess Sam Howell, and you and it's it's you don't just look at stats and say, oh, he did this or that. You have to look at the film. You say, why did he do this? Why did he do that? Did he did he progress? Is he the kind of guy who? What would he be his ceiling in this offense if you wanted to go a certain direction? Um, is he is he going to be a really good backup for you? Could he be a what kind of starter could he be in this offense if he had to start? If you wanted to go a different direction for a year, let's say you wanted to trade back, get more picks, keep building up, and then try it again next year. You know, is what 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 would that scenario look like? So you explore every situation. That's why I bring this up to say when you hear people say like expect them to do this, expect them to do every freaking thing because that's what they're paid to do. And there may be one thing they want to do, and it may be that you say, hey, you, we want to trade up to get Caleb Williams. Okay, but then the Bears have to do it. Then what's the price? And is the price worth it? Um, and I'm hoping to have someone on soon to talk about, you know, would the Bears really do it? And I know there's already talk like they want a ransom, King's ransom, but I'll bring someone on to talk about that more just to see what are the Bears thinking at this point? And, you know, what would it take to get them off that? And I'm not sure anybody really knows because it's going to depend. It would depend on, first of all, do they even have a desire to to trade that pick? My guess would be no. But if they did, what would it take? Well, is it going to take three ones? Well, get out. You know, that's it's done. You know, it's, it's not a it's not something these guys would ever do. I couldn't I couldn't see them doing that. Um, that's just my own opinion, not a report. Um, so anyways, that's just the way I, you know, the way I kind of look at it right now. I think the other thing I, I was doing is kind of looking at like, what did San Francisco do under Adam Peters or when he was there? Cause it wasn't his call, but he was certainly a part of the organization. And the one thing you always do at quarterback is you keep 
taking swings at that position. Because until you have it solved, you don't have it solved. So you always have to be looking on, you have to always be on the um, on the lookout for somebody else at that position. So in 2017, they took CJ Beathard. Um, they trade, I think they traded for him. They did not, you know, there was something came out. They did not really, I think Adam Schefter tweeted out that they really didn't look into Mahomes because their assumption was that they were going to get Kirk Cousins after free agency going in, in in the 2018 offseason, that they would get Cousins. So they didn't really explore Mahomes when they had the second overall pick. Clearly, maybe they should have. So that's a mistake. But look at like the one thing you have to look at the Niners, they've made some mistakes at that position and they've overcome them because of how they built out the rest of the roster. It wasn't like they just said, oh, we're just going to build this first and then get the quarterback. It was keep building the roster, keep looking for that guy. So they they like CJ Beathard. I think they took him in the third round. Didn't work out. Um, they, they traded for Jimmy Garoppolo during the 2017 season. So they thought they had it solved for a couple of years. And then they, you realize he's getting hurt a lot. Maybe he can't, maybe he, shoot, he got him to the, he helped him get to the Super Bowl. It wasn't like he couldn't play, but they didn't win it. So now you're still looking at who can get you there. So they, they're aggressive trading up for Trey Lance. He doesn't work out. Then you go and you, you draft Brock Purdy in the seventh round and guess what? But you keep taking bites out of that apple until you get it right. And that's what I would expect them to do here because we just haven't seen that position be solved and like whether or not you believe in quarterback X, Y, or Z or Sam Howell, whomever, it's still, you can't look at this, say, okay, the problem has been solved. Like you just roll with Sam. No, you can't do that. He had to make it a no brainer and he didn't. Can he go compete? Yes. Um, can he, can he play in this league? Yes. But is it a no brainer? You should stick with them. Heck no. And it's, and I think anybody would think that or should think that regardless of the reasons you know, you have a new staff, like they're not going to just sit there. Oh, well, it was the enemy's fault that he did this. Oh, it was the offensive line's fault. You know, like they're going to, they're going to have their evaluation of him as well. And keep in mind that, you know, um, they, they could have taken him in that draft as well. So, and I don't know why they didn't, but they could have, and they, they opted for the seventh round and Brock Purdy. So I don't know what that means for Adam Peters, but we do know that they had chances and, and did not do that. Maybe they would have taken him later in the draft because they certainly had Trey Lance at that point, but in the fifth round, you know, then and, and maybe they would have done it there, you know, who knows? But anyways, point is they're going to look at everything and um, that's what they should be, but they kept the Niners when Peters was there, kept taking bites, kept taking bites and it finally worked out, but it also worked out because you have the rest of the roster. If you, you know, that's a really good team. So over the next, you know, at some point I'm going to take a look at how certain teams were built and what these le lessons can be learned here. But one of the things is they had really, they had some really good drafts before they got to that point where um, they, you know, then you could, you could make a mistake at quarterback and still somehow get to the Super Bowl two years later. It's just amazing, but it's the rest of the roster and how they how they acquired talent. I mean, shoot, Trent Williams was had taken, you know, we know it was he was on the cheap, third and the fifth. That's cheap for a Hall of Fame tackle. And, you know, um, so that's that's how you do it. But keep, keep taking swings. And the other thing I want to bring up too with the quarterbacks, the last thing is there, I know there was some, you know, um, stuff made about Doug Williams talking to, I think the NFL network about, it's like, oh, well, you know, kind of letting it slip that they probably take a quarterback. Well, here's the thing. There's one where it's duh, they have the number two pick. That's it's, this is the, that's where the guys are projected and they have a need at that position. So of course, anybody from that organization could go in there and say like, well, I think we'll end up taking a quarterback. 
But for, there's a couple things. Before that point, Williams had said, well, these guys have barely met and blah, blah, blah. The other thing to know is they're not like, not all these guys are in the football meetings. I don't think, I don't know that Doug is sitting in on the football meetings at this point. I don't, he hasn't been. So, you know, he's not going to necessarily know what exactly are their detailed plans here. Um, but you can certainly, like all he did is deduce one plus one equals two. There's a need for quarterback. You have the second pick. Therefore, most likely, if you're staying at two, it's going to be a quarterback. This isn't, this isn't, that's not rocket science. So um, people shouldn't feel like, oh my God, Doug gave something away. He did not. So, you know, I think it was kind of a silly, silly thing to, to get a little bit, um, I wouldn't say annoyed about, but to, for even, for it to even be a thing at all. Um, and then that's it, folks. That's all I got. I'm going to have some, some good guests for you this week. I'm supposed to talk to Jordan Reed, the ESPN NFL draft analyst on Monday. So we're going to be doing some draft talk and get into the quarterbacks, May, May and Daniels, the other ones, and then how what he thinks of the Kingsbury offense and who would be a really good fit in that for this team. So there you go. I'll be back on Tuesday with another episode. So, hey, by the way, Washington has moved into a first – into a tie for home field advantage in the 2024 playoff um, positioning. So there you go, folks. Have a good one. I'll talk to you next time.